0: good morning and welcome to asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 985 AM680 WPTF news talk traffic Jason Kong here good morning to you along with Bill Alexander Bill how are you doing today good morning <laughs> doing good Bill I hope you're uh, doing okay in the heat here I'm you know yeah, it's absolutely. nice to be in the air conditioning nice here in the that, office you know,
1: it's uh, we're officially in the summer it started last weekend and uh, here we go
0: yeah we'll 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 get by I I, we'll make I our love
1: this time of year don't it's better than getting by
0: well, you love being <laughs> at the beach so i I quite understand that well, bill let's let's get to the topic at hand for today and I know you want to talk about wills and trusts and this is your wheelhouse bill this is where you
1: are uh, king but you're you're telling me that a lot of wills and trusts don't work well, no question about it i mean the the fact is um, that in fact, in my seminars webinars, uh, oftentimes I will throw up a slide just to get people really thinking because sometimes, you know, we, autom- what's the word, automatons? Uh, you know, we just don't, uh, we, we're there in body but not in mind. We don't really process the information we're given. And um, uh, the fact is, is that as in, you know, wills, a last will and testament, or a trust agreement to do our planning is so important. But the fact is, is that folks still don't get it right, and if they don't get it right, it doesn't work. So it doesn't work well. What What do we mean by work? <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by Working, where you want your will or your trust to work, is that what your wishes are are honored. In other words, the property, your property is distributed to the folks that you want to get it. Now, if you use a trust, you can actually have your property protected for your spouse, protected for your children and grandchildren, uh, and you can decide how you want your property distributed, not just who gets it, but when they get it, how they get it, uh, and any other little tentacle that you think is important in terms of taking care of your family and making sure that your legacy um, goes where it should go. But the problem is uh, that so many wills and trusts don't work because we don't do everything we need to do. The the bottom line is this. What screws these things up? It's how you hold title to your property. How you hold title to your property. And you may think, well, what in the heck is he talking about? Well, what I'm getting at is every time you acquire property— You acquire it a certain way, all right? So you go to the bank and you say, okay, I've got some money and I want to put it in your bank. Well, the bankers help you to establish a bank account, all right? Well, when that bank account is established and you sign the signature card, you have established title to that account. So what are some of the various ways that you could have it? Well, you could have an account in your own name, and you're the only signer, and that's it. But how many people do that? Not many. I mean, the folks who are single and, okay, we might do it that way. But if you're married, the chances that you're doing that are slim and none, okay? So, what what else could you do? You could have a joint account, you know, with your spouse or with someone else. Now, with your spouse, that may be okay, um, depending on your goals, how you want to think, how you want things to work. Um, it gives both of you access to the account, and it gives the survivor the all of the account when one dies. Um, now. Now, the same thing applies if you have a joint account with, say, a trusted child, the person that you expect to be honorable and do everything, and and you put their name on your account so that they have access and they, you know, if you need them to pay your bills or to manage things for you, they can do it. But guess what? The account belongs to them at your death uh, legally, even if you – and so if you expect them to share it with others, that may not be the way (laughs) to do it, okay? So uh, like if you have three or four children or even two children and you expect that one child to share that account with the other child, okay, some children might do that and others just might say, hmm, dad – really wanted me to have this account, that's why my name's on it this way, because this was his intention. Now, oftentimes it's not. I'd say 95% of the time it's because you just are trying to give them access. Is there a better way to give them access? Of course there is. You could sign a power of attorney and use that power of attorney so they could sign as your agent, sometimes known as your attorney-in-fact. I'm an attorney at law. So we're talking about making a non-lawyer, your agent, that's called an attorney in fact. Uh, and actually, the preferred term at this point uh, is actually the word agent. That's that's something that all of us know what that means. Uh, and so, we, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think the more... Lawyers use words that people understand. <laughs> the better. Uh, I, I was reading a, an article from Alan Alda, and you know, you know what magazine it is—that AARP. <laughs> it was a great little article, but it was talking about the fact that uh, you know one of his focus points has been teaching professionals like engineers and doctors and scientists and lawyers to communicate where other non-professionals can do what? Actually understand them. What a novel idea. <laughs> what a novel idea. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 more than just being able to listen because you expect people to listen to you, uh, hopefully, and, and listening to me is actually the best tool anybody has. But with that uh, with that said, if you don't comprehend the words that are being used, it makes a difference. You know, there's another place that I experienced that, and it had nothing to do with science or medicine or things out of my bailiwick. Um it was in the military. The military uses acronyms all the time uh, for everything, and if if you don't know what uh, you know what that acronym actually is for, you have no clue what they're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, it it, it goes well beyond uh, science and medicine and professionalism and stuff like that, but. The truth is, if I'm talking to a client and they don't actually understand what I'm talking about, how in the heck are they supposed to carry out what needs to be done? And that's part of the problem. And then another big part of the problem is that so many attorneys don't follow up in terms of making sure that the clients actually do what they what needs to be done so that their plan actually works. And in fact, and I'll give you a really good example, at least for my law firm. For instance, I will not do a trust for a family unless they understand going in that there's work to be done once the documents are signed. What work am I talking about? I'm talking about getting the title to their property in the right form. Because if you, and we call it funding or allocation, you, it, I mean, you could call it anything you want, but it actually means transferring that property that's in your name personally into your name as trustee of the trust agreement. Because people understand the fact that trust can save a family time and money when you die. And so that's a huge blessing. But it doesn't save you a nickel, and it doesn't save you a, a, a second of time if you have not funded the trust. In other words, transferred the property while you're alive into your name as trustee. That's what make. that's the magic that makes a trust work, okay? So if you, and I'll, you know, um, I've talked about the fact that one of the biggest problems that, you know, people bring to me is they say, oh, we want you to review our trust. You know, we moved here, or we had this trust done 20 years ago, and, you know, our kids are grown now, and we think we need to update it, and we just want you to. We want to see what you think about this one. And of course, you know, I do a lot of trust review. Well, one of the first questions that I always have to ask is, what's in this trust? What have you actually funded into this trust? And more often than not, I get a blank look. You know, they're looking at me like, oh, God, what do you mean? And that's the point is, is that, they have they went to an attorney who had these this document done, and oftentimes it's a good, was an okay trust, sometimes a wonderful trust, sometimes a not-so-great trust. In fact, that happens pretty often. But <laughs> the clients have never transferred anything into it. The lawyer may have had a letter in the package that said, oh, by the way, don't forget to fund your trust. See you around. Thank you for your money. Uh <laughs> And people don't understand that there was work to be done. So they didn't do anything. They just thought they had a magic book that would take care of everything. And that's not the way it works. In other words, when you have legal documents, whether it's a will or a trust, if you want your will or trust to work the way you want it to work, then you have to change title oftentimes because... When you go to your banker or you go to your investment advisor or you buy a piece of real property, whether it's your home or you know investment property, no matter what it is, that professional, if you don't tell them how it needs to be titled, they're going to choose for you. And what they choose for you may not be what you need. And so that's why this becomes such a big problem. So I want folks to understand that the most important thing in estate planning is actually title to property, all of the different ways they can own their property. And I know I've gone on too far, too long, so you have to take a break. But I want to keep on this topic because it's so important to making people's wishes work during their lifetime and at their death.
0: Well, we will stick on this topic because it is an important concept. It's like having a, a safe but not putting your valuables inside to keep them safe, Good which energy. is what Hey, uh, every <laughs> once in a while, Bill, every once in a while I, I, I pull one out of the hat. So uh, I want to remind everyone that Bill does have a seminar dedicated completely to trusts and asset protection. Uh, it's currently a webinar right now, and you can register for free online by going to WGA Law. W-G-A-Law.com. You can also call the office if you want to register or find more information. That phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF News, Talk, Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander this morning, and we're talking all about wills and trusts and, Bill, how they can often not work for us despite our best intentions.
1: Okay, so in this segment, what I want to do is just to go through a very straightforward example. And I want uh, folks to understand that this example happens for many, many, many married couples, whether they use a trust as their planning um, foundation or whether they use a last will and testament as their planning foundation. Because so many folks actually don't get this very important thing. So many folks think, okay, I've done a will, so that's going to affect all of my property and control all of my property. Ah, mistake number one. Big, 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 big mistake. Okay, so, and again, it all falls back to title. So as people, you know, listen to this, uh, this uh, uh, segment, uh, I want you to be thinking about that. Okay, so let's say, all right, so you've got a really nice estate and you've gone to an estate planning attorney. So you know that you're going to get documents that are technically correct. And you've, so you end up signing, you've planned out, and your attorney has given you a plan with tax planning as part of your trust plan. So you're doing a revocable living trust. This is very common in my practice. And t- any time with a married couple, um, uh, we typically, even if a couple doesn't need a tax planning because we don't know what taxes will be in the future, we do put a tax plan. Now, what, I'm, what do I mean by tax plan? There are two kinds of taxes that we're worried about. Number one, the big monster of it is the estate tax. Now, most folks, very few folks have to worry about estate tax, but we all have one kind of tax that bothers us that we don't like to pay every year. What's that? Income tax. Absolutely. So a good trust plan will also have good income tax planning inside the trust as well. And it, the income side of planning, income tax side of planning, normally is how do we get a, a step up in appreciated property as often as possible for our family, for our spouse, for our children, and those kinds of things. And a good trust plan will do that for you. Now, there are an awful lot of plans that also create irrevocable trusts so that we can be assured that our property will not go to the tennis pro or the snake lady when uh, we die and our spouse remarries you know so we do an irrevocable trust to protect our spouse but also to ensure that 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 our property that we've acquired during the marriage actually goes to our children upon our spouse's death uh, a lot of clients do that okay so then an awful lot of us, um, will. we want to protect our children. We worry about whether our children uh, are in a good marriage or not. Uh, and as parents, we always worry about that, because even, even when we th- believe that our children have a wonderful marriage, we, we really enjoy their spouse and all that good stuff. Sometimes marriages often – well, I won't say sometimes. I will say as often as not, things don't work out, (laughs) okay? And as parents, what do we not want? We don't want our children's inheritance from us ending up in the hands of a divorced spouse. In other words, we don't want it to go to their spouse. We want it to go where? To them. No, we want it to go to our grandchildren. You know, we want it to take care of our – Kids, but you know, those of us, those lucky enough to have grandchildren, golly day, the grandchildren are even more important than the children. So, (laughs) guess what? We want the grandchildren to take, get, get, uh, uh, the bulk of that legacy. You know, our, our kids are the ones that, that gave us trouble, (laughs) that, that, you know, you, you know, kept us up at night, you, you, the whole bit, and it's sort of like heck. We got them educated, we got them out of the house. We're finally empty nesters, and they're they're not giving back to us until they give us grandchildren, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's our job to spoil the heck out of the grandchildren. That's that's our job. So uh, okay, but all right. Now I got to get back to the to the point. <laughs> so. We've created this wonderful trust that protects our spouse, gives good income tax planning, estate tax planning if we need it. We have made sure in our trust that it goes to um, our children in a protected trust. It gives them asset protection during their lifetime. We don't have to worry about a divorce of our kids. We've protected our property all the way through to our grandchildren, and we've done that. By our trust plan. Now, you can't do that with a will, but that's one of the neat things about a trust. So we have created this plan. Now, the attorney has had us sign our documents and uh, congratulated us on doing some really good planning um, and says goodbye. We paid our bill, and that's it. Okay, so will our plan work? Probably not at this point. Why? You have to go back to what did I say was important?
0: Title to property.
1: Okay. So how do most of us, before we've done this trust, we've been married a long time, how do we have our property set up? All right. So we've been to the bank. What does that look like at the bank, Jason? Usually a joint, on jointly. Joint with what? Right of survivorship. Very good. Okay. So if I have a bank account like that and I die tonight, who gets the the money in that bank account? That would be your wife. Okay. Here's here's the question, though. What if my will says that I want my property to go into my trust with all this fancy planning that we've been talking about? Does my trust actually – it, it, does that rule the day or does the account at the bank rule the day?
0: Given the topic at hand, I'm going to say that the bank rules
1: the day. In this exactly. Situation. The contract at the bank. And why does the bank like joint with right of survivorship? Why do they like it? Why do they set up their accounts that way? What do you think? They, it
0: keep, keeps you there.
1: Well, it not only keeps the money at the bank, they don't have to worry about what your will says or what your trust says. They know who the money goes to. All you got to do is give them a death certificate. Oh, Miss Alexander, here's all that money. No problem. Okay? So they like that. So that's going to be their default way to set things up. All right. Now, you have a nice – investment account and you have a good financial advisor and you like everything everything now how do you have your investment account set up you've been married for 25 years life is good as good as you're going to be anyway so okay so what all right now how's that account set up jointly or life okay. survivorship there you go yep. okay so Why do you think investment accounts, and it doesn't matter whether you're at Edward Jones or Schwab or E-Trade, why do they like it? Same reason. Keeps your money there. Exactly. And they know exactly where it goes. So guess what? That's going to be their default. Unless you tell them to do it a different way, that's going to be the default. Okay. So, all right. Now, you've earned a lot of money over the years, and you have a nice big retirement account. Where does that go when you die? Usually you have a beneficiary designation. Oh, okay. So what rules the day? Is it that fancy trust that you signed in the lawyer's office? Or who's normally going to be your beneficiary? Your spouse. Okay, and then your after your spouse, your children, very good, and that's the way almost all of us have initially set up our retirement accounts, and it doesn't matter whether it's an ERISA plan, like a 401k plan or a 403b plan or a 457 plan, or whether it's a non-ERISA plan, like an IRA or a Roth IRA or something along those lines. Those doesn't matter. It's... All retirement accounts have a beneficiary designation, and guess what? A beneficiary designation always rules the day no matter what. The worst thing is not to have a beneficiary because where does your money go if, it, if there's no beneficiary? Where's it go? Uh, do the courts decide where it goes at well, that point? Well, I mean, actually, it's, it goes to your estate, and then it's subject to your creditors. And that's not a good thing, because if it goes to your estate, then it's subject to any of your creditors when a retirement account is not subject to creditors. Now, there's another piece of property that we have that's not subject to your creditors when you die, and what do you think that might be? Oh, I'm not sure. Life insurance. Okay. And annuities, too, for that matter, in North Carolina. Now, these laws vary from state to state, so you can't just take this across the country. But life insurance pays to the beneficiary, not subject to creditors. It doesn't matter how much you owe. Okay. so. Uh, You you know, back way back when, when you first started, children, your your spouse said, you know, we need to get some life insurance. We need to make sure this mortgage is paid off if you die. (laughs) So so who did you create when you did your beneficiary? Who gets it? Your spouse. Exactly. The primary beneficiary is going to get your life insurance. Okay. So if you have purchased an annuity – Who gets that? I would say your spouse as well. Well, it's whoever you put down as your beneficiary. So here's where I'm trying to cut. Now, there's one other big piece of property that we have, most of us anyway, and it's one that I encourage that we have paid off before we retire. So what might that be, Jason? I'll say your house. There you go. Okay. So. How do most? How do you have your house right now? How is the title to your house? What does it look like? Uh, it's got my name and my wife's name on it. Okay. As husband and wife, and that's called tenancy by the entirety. Do you know who gets it when you die? She gets it. That's exactly right. If she dies first, who gets it? I would get it. Okay. So in essence, uh, unless you change title, that's your title dictates where that property goes. All right? So, with that said, uh, if we do not change the title to a property, we've we've signed this fancy trust. We've signed our last will and testament that says if that anything in our name goes to our fancy trust. Now, if we haven't done anything further, who gets all the property when we die? That would be of. Uh- the surviving the, the spouse, spouse yeah. right? That's the whole point. Because, all right, so here's the question. If you, Based on title, the house goes to the survivor, right? But so does the retirement account. So does the annuity. So does the investment account. So does the bank account. So, and I've asked you this before, I know you know the answer, what's left for the will or the trust to control all that's left is your stuff that's exactly right your stuff and nobody creates a will or a trust to control your trust but you know that word control is so important to all of us because guess what we want to control our property and you know what works for control? Title to property. So if you want to control your property, you have to control title to all of your property. Now, if you have an estate plan that is one where, well, hey, I don't care what happens when I die. I want my spouse to have everything. That works, okay? But it's not because of your will or, or your trust. So I realize that this segment's gone on too long, so when we come back, I want to keep on this track so folks truly understand what this is all about. Well, you're on a roll, Bill, so let's
0: keep this going. We do have to take a quick break. I want to remind everyone, if you're in a situation where maybe you're not sure what your documents are, you know you signed something a few years back, but maybe what Bill's talking about is uh, is uh, making you a little bit nervous, talk to Bill, schedule an appointment to see him, get your documents reviewed. Go to wga Law.com. You can schedule an appointment there and find all the information about Bill's practice and the services that he provides. And you can also call 919 919- A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander another edition of asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander thank you so much for joining us we're talking all about wills and trusts and the pitfalls of wills and trusts and how
1: most of them don't work Bill let's let's pick right back up well i should say that oftentimes they don't work for married folks because you have A plan that is different uh, that you're trying to protect your spouse, but you're not, you're also trying to protect your children and grandchildren. And and if your spouse receives everything, who has control of all of your property when you die? Your spouse. Okay. So guess what? You know, for some of us, that's fine. For others, that's not so fine. Okay. Think of second spouses, third spouses. That would, be a really bad thing for a lot of folks, but even when you have a surviving spouse, you've been married for 35 years or 40 years, your survivor might remarry. That's not uncommon at all, and sometimes remarriage is to some kind of gold digger that they're marrying you because they want your money, and they're all of their encouragement is, "I need your money, I need this, I need that," you know. And so, guess who doesn't get it if your if your second spouse gets it? Your children. That you, that's exactly right. So, all of us have seen examples of this occur. It's not uncommon. So, it's up to us to protect uh, our own family um, in in this way. So. Now the 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 other thing is that if you have an uncomplicated thing where you know that you're, you know in your heart that your spouse is going to take care of your kids, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know you've been married forever. Uh, there there's no complications. Well, if you have a situation like that. There are a lot of folks who, uh, in uh, they want their spouse to have everything, and it's even important when you, when you have a modest nest egg because your spouse may need every penny to survive during the rest of their life. So there's there's a lot of issues involved and a lot of thinking and caring that has to go on in planning. But, um, and this is the re one reason why. I'll tell some families that you don't need a trust right now. You know, you, you need all the property to go to the spouse to make sure that the spouse is okay, and you hope there's something left for the kids when the spouse dies as well. But but uh, for a lot of families, sometimes a, tr- a trust is better used at after the first spouse dies. You know, in, in other words, it makes everything a little less expensive for everybody, because truthfully, estate planning at the death of the first spouse, if you don't care who controls it or you trust your spouse to control it in a way that's appropriate for your children and grandchildren, then um, then simple is good. You know, simple is—I mean, complicated is not always better than simple. Simple oftentimes trumps— uh, complicated, uh, and so at the first death of a married couple that has a simple situation, that's okay. You know, it, it works, but it 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 works by default. Uh, oftentimes, it doesn't work because you've actually planned it that way. <laughs> okay, so from my perspective, your control is about your planning work working the way you want it to work, um, and if, if your plan is for your spouse to get everything, then the default is almost always going to work for you without any problem. But so many of us have situations where we actually want to control it more than that. Our situation isn't that simple. We, we, we have to worry about what will happen when we go. Uh, when we die, when we pass on, so it's a matter. It's a matter of if we want to control, then we have to not only have the right documents in place, but we also have to have our title in place for all of our property, so that our legal documents can actually work. Now, there's another piece to this. Uh, you know, we talked about beneficiary designations. Um, the these default rules do not work at all when our spouse dies, okay, because typically it's us, you know, the survivor, and then we have – most of us who are fortunate – have children, okay, and so we want our children to receive the property, and we we can create structures based on title – where certain people get it that, that will trump our documents again. So what are those called? And, and again, we still have beneficiary designations for our life insurance and our retirement accounts and annuities. But there's also another contract that we could sign at the bank or the investment house, which is called a POD, which means pay on death, which most of the banks use, and then the investment houses, brokers, use TODs, transfer on death. It's the same thing. It's simply a beneficiary designation that we can sign. But, you know, the problem is that those contracts are not nearly as well thought out uh, as a good legal document. Our, our wills, for instance, will take care of situations, and our trust even more so, that are contingent situations, like one of our children dies and leaves grandchildren. Well, PODs and TODs don't do a very good job with that kind of property if there's a contingency like that where a will or a good trust can take care of contingencies because good planning is contingency planning. You know, it has to do with what do we want to happen when we die in terms of taking care of our spouse? Whether, whether our spouse is alive or not, whether our, uh, we're uh, fortunate enough to, for our children to be alive or not, what, how do we want it to go to them? If the more we want control over how it's protected for them, the better planning we have to have. So that's, that's what it's all about. And then when we come back, I want to keep on this same theory and to just so show folks how uh, these kind of plans can be messed up if we don't keep title in mind.
0: We will keep this train rolling, and you can join in and uh, get a hold of Bill if you need some help. If you need to get your documents reviewed or maybe you need some new documents yourself, go to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, wga law. Com. You can also register there for Bill's free webinars. He's got a webinar coming up on July 8th. He does two of them. One is all about trust and asset protection. The other is all about long-term care assistance. Find all that information on WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. And remember, it's free to register. You can also call the office, 919-256-7000, 919 256 This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic jason kong here with bill alexander talking all about wills and trusts this morning bill and uh you've given us a a lot to worry about and a lot to make sure that we're we're doing the right thing
1: no question about it uh well people love stories so i i want to uh uh end our show or get close to the end anyway with two quick stories that relate to title and how it works uh i had a uh, and people People who've listened to the show a long time have heard these stories before, I think, but uh, they're so important as they relate to this kind of planning. So I had an older couple, wonderful folks who'd been married forever, uh, and the wife was very sick and needed nursing care. So we did Medicaid planning for her to get her on Medicaid. Uh, and we did a sophisticated plan and you know as I've told lots of folks, you don't have to be poor to be on Medicaid, but you do need good professional help if if you have uh, modest resources or more. And in this case, uh, we got the we moved all of the property title over to the husband's name. The wife was going to go on Medicaid and we preserved uh, well over a half million dollars for, uh, the husband, all right, and uh, after uh, it all was was created, she was in a nursing home on Medicaid, and and he was doing fairly well, but he was getting up there in age, and his mind wasn't as clear as it should have been. Uh, and when he went into the bank, the banker said, "Oh, Mister Smith, we don't you want to make it easier on your spouse and sign this pay on death." so that you can avoid all of the expenses of probate, and it, things will just go so faster. Well, he wasn't thinking, but guess what? A banker is a trusted advisor. Banker did not ask him, does he have an estate plan? Uh, the banker didn't call the attorney, me. I was so mad. Uh, well, guess what happened? He, he just did what the banker suggested, signed the beneficiary designation, the pay on death. And then guess what? He then went off and died. Well, what happened was because of what the banker did and the change of title, she came off Medicaid, and the family lost about 350000 out of $500,000. I mean, all because of the banker changing title to the property. Everything had been set up perfectly, and the banker screwed it up, you know, Mr. Smith did not ask us about it, should have, and the banker didn't ask us all about it. It happened very quickly, and it was a tragedy. So that's story number one. Story number two, guy owns a house, he's been married to his second wife, his his children by his first wife had a bad divorce, Children turned, wife turn- ex-wife turned his children against him. So his children had two children who were estranged. But he married a wonderful woman, and she had a son who was very young when they married, and he became very, very close. Well, he was a do-it-yourselfer; did not go to a lawyer. He basically did his own will. Uh, he wanted everything to go to his wife and his stepson. And guess what happened? Well, his do-it-yourself will didn't pass muster. Uh, the clerk would not accept it; it wasn't probated. So. His title to property controlled along with state law called intestacy, so guess what? The wife got a third, and his estranged children that he didn't even like got two thirds of his property and and it was because his home was owned by him and not he and his wife. so it could have been the other way if 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 they had owned it together, like you own it with your wife, but not so. title controlled along with intestacy laws. So his stepson only got what his mother got, that one-third, and it was not anything like what the man actually wanted. So part of it was because he was stupid to do his own do-it-yourselfer and not go to a professional and then title controlled along with state law. So those are the two stories, and they both are important, have both important lessons to folks.
0: That's why it's so important to have a professional walk you through this process because of those two Cs that you mentioned, Bill, control and contingencies. If you want to keep those, you need to seek a professional. Get a hold of Bill. He's someone who can help you out. Call 919 256-7000, 919-256-7000, 256-7000, 919-256-7000, or go online to wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I want to remind you, if you want to register for Bill's webinars on July 8th, he does this the second Wednesday of every month. And July 8th is that day for July. You can go online to Law. Dot com, W-G-A-Law.com. Just click on the seminars button and remember it's free to register for the webinars. All you need to attend is uh, a laptop or a smartphone with an internet connection and an email address, and you're, you're good to go. You're good to go in that regard. And remember, Bill's two seminars deal with trusts and asset protection, which we've talked all about today, and also long-term care assistance, which we got into just a, a little bit tangentially here at the end of the program. Remember, WGALaw.com, or if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, call 919-256-7000, 919 two five six seven thousand on behalf of bill alexander i'm jason kong thanking you for listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on fm 98 5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic have a great weekend